Hello, I'm Connor Sweetman and welcome to InsureTech Radio, the podcast that teaches you about how technology is transforming insurance and about the people making it happen. InsureTech Radio is brought to you by InsureTech Ireland. Sign up to our weekly community newsletter by visiting insuretechireland.org. I'm very excited to bring you this interview with two founders of a very exciting company. This week, my guests are Umbella Umpafana and Shane Curran from Investure. Investure is the world's first insurance product that protects shareholders from losses caused by management fraud and dishonesty. So we can all think of these examples, high-profile frauds like Enron in the 2000s, the dozens of examples during the 2008 financial crisis, and even as recently as June of 2020 with the Wirecard scandal. So in our conversation, Mbalelo, Shane and I talk about the founding of the company, how they price risk, how they pay claims and what their plans are for the future. Please enjoy. Mbalelo, Shane, you're both very welcome to InsureTech Radio. How's it going? Good and you, Connor. Great, thank you. Yeah, all good, thank you. How did you guys fall into insurance? Actually, my first job was with an insurer. So I had a bursary from AIG in South Africa, and then I went to work for them straight after that. Spent just over six years with them before moving to Hanover Re for project work and then founding um, Investor along with Shane. Cool. What about you, Shane? My first foray into insurance was Investor, so this business, and Mbulelo taught me everything that I that I know about insurance. <laughs> so I came from uh, PwC where I was doing my articles as a chartered accountant, and I was primarily in the energy, oil, and gas space. But I always had a love for investing, and I happened just by chance to stumble upon an investing insurance idea. I approached Hanover with it and they paired myself and Mbulelo together and that was the start of my insurance career. Okay, cool. So that was the first iteration of Investure. Yeah, that was basically, I had the idea when I was still at PwC, I approached Hanover during 2016, <laughs> took a couple of meetings to convince them that it wasn't a crazy idea, maybe a bit crazy, but that it could work. And yeah, they, after about six months said, yes, we can start it at the start of 2017, a feasibility study. And obviously, cause I didn't have any background in insurance. They paid me up with Mbulelo who they'd been working with and faulty would do a great job on this. Okay, cool. So tell me about the idea and why was it so crazy? I'm sure anyone with an insurance background knows there's not many products that are linked to the equity markets. And that's generally because insurers see equity markets as very volatile and very risky in an unpredictable way. The idea came, Hanover, you were running an innovation competition as part of their 50th birthday. I went to their launch event and there was a speaker there that was speaking about how quickly technology is going to accelerate things. And the automation of investing was one of his examples that he gave. And he said in five to 10 years, he thinks that Robots will be able to make active management decisions. So at the moment, they put you into ETFs generally based on your risk tolerance. And he said that technology evolves so rapidly that within five to 10 years, they'll be able to analyze financial statements, analyze statements that the company makes as well as news on them and make investing decisions into individual companies as well as rebalancing the portfolio in real time. And I thought it would be very interesting if a company released the wrong numbers and the robots 
took that information in assuming that it's true and made an incorrect decision that would lose investors a lot of money. Then I thought, well, that's true anyway. Humans have that same risk. If a company puts out fraudulent numbers, there's no way that you as an investor know about that. So all your decisions are based on the wrong number. And when that type of news comes out that the numbers are wrong, it generally leads to large losses. So without having an insurance background, I didn't know if it was a good idea, if it existed or not. And after doing a couple of months of research, I convinced myself it's worth a go. And yeah, that's sort of where the idea came from. And Bellello, what was your reaction when you first heard it? Actually, I thought it was a good idea. I think the key thing was the whole time that, you know, it is linked to something that most insurers are very comfortable with and have been writing for a very long time, which is fraud. You have fidelity policies, you have directors and officers policies, you have, you know, so that risk of fraud is is well understood within the insurance industry. It's just the asset that then becomes impacted is different. So that was kind of the immediate thing that kind of struck me anyway. And that's why I thought, you know, that's it's probably worth doing. And yeah, Nahim, um, who's the MD of Hanover Re here in South Africa, was the one who initially told me about it. And he's very, very skeptical. He's a long-time mm-hmm. underwriter, so very skeptical-minded person, very risk-averse. And um, he thought there was a, an opportunity for it. So that was also something that I think helped support it. Um, because if it was totally crazy, I think he wouldn't have bothered. <laughs> This is um, an, a parametric insurance product. So was it always going to be a parametric product or did that idea evolve over time? So the parametric thing came from, I didn't even know it was parametric, to be honest. I just said, you don't need to be involved in claims. And <laughs> I remember after we had designed the product, someone said they want to interview us on our parametric insurance product. And I was like, what's parametric? <laughs> so it, it was Maybe definitely... we should explain what that means actually now. Uh, sure. It's not... It's not very common. So maybe just give, it, give me a high-level overview about what parametric means and then what triggers you guys use. Sure. So, yeah, parametric basically means that the event that triggers a claim is something that's easily observable or public information. So typical parametric insurance products would be related to, like, weather is a product that, for instance, will pay out a claim if a region or area has excess rainfall or something um, and that level will be set at a point where it's likely that you have flooding. So the insurer then pays out based on that and seeing a likelihood that your home was flooded rather than going out to inspect and, and, and do claims in that way. So our product is similar in that sense. So it responds to an allegation of fraud, which then results in a drop in the share price. So we can see whether a particular share has dropped below a certain level. And our level is set at a, a 10%. So if the share drops by more than 10%, so that's something you can see because that's all public information. And then the last piece is then how much did the clients sell that share for and we get that directly from the trading platform that we integrate with the client doesn't really have to do anything to to get their claim paid as soon as they sell their share we get all the information we need directly from the trading platform being what the share was worth before the news happened and what level the guy sold it for so if it's beyond a 10 percent loss we then compensate them for that extra 
or that lasts beyond the first 10%. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically how the product works. And, you know, it's enabled by the fact that so much information about shares is public and that piece that's not public is known by your trading platform um, who then shares that information with us directly. And how do you price for it? The product is quite simple in terms of pricing. So we have a flat rate that we charge based on the amount you're investing. So in South Africa, it's 0.6% of the value invested. So if you invest, say, 100 euro, we charge you 60 euros for the annual cover. 60 cents. 60 cents, sorry, (laughs) for the annual cover. And to get to that, we went through quite a long exercise where we looked at the history of these types of events, so researched a number of companies to see how often these events happen in each in each incidence, what was the impact on the market around that news. So we built out a table of, you know, the loss frequency, the loss severity, and then built out a model based on that information. That's where we how we came to that. The standout events when you're doing that research, like what was the most striking event that happened previously? The most striking event happened just after we completed our <laughs> our research, which was a, a very large loss in South Africa with Steinoff. So I think it made international news. It was a very significant loss. I think it was over 20 billion euros. Shane, if you correct me if I'm wrong. Sounds about right. What, what was the fraud? Do you remember the story behind it? Yeah. So Sinoff had um, grown through aggressive acquisition. And then around, I think it was December of 2017, they then issued a notice to the market that investigators in Europe, I think it was Netherlands, um, were looking into accounting fraud or issues of accounting fraud into the company. Those allegations were very credible and it just sent the the share dropping Significantly, I think it dropped 65% within the first two days, and still today it hasn't gone bankrupt. But it, you know, it's less than a percent of the value the company had back in 2017. At the same time, there was also a report released by a short seller called Viceroy that pretty much corroborated and detailed everything that the investigators had said. So that that sort of gave the weight to those allegations. I think a lot of people had been nervous about Steinoff as a company for many years just because they had a very aggressive management team. They were the same group of close guys that were running the company for many, many years. So there was a lot of worry around them in the first place, but that's the short seller report really detailed everything that the investigators said they thought was happening and that caused the loss. Kind of good timing for you when you're trying to pitch your idea then around Yes, that's actually how we got on our first platform. So when we were doing the design thinking, we were speaking to people in the industry and they said they were keen to have the product as soon as it was ready. But then obviously once it was ready, it had to go into their IT timeline. And as with many IT businesses, that's, that pipeline is pretty busy and pretty full. And then as soon as the sign-off event happened, they moved us up as quickly as they could to, to launch onto the platform. Great. And then tell me about the claims process. So how does that work exactly? Yeah, it's one of the most exciting parts of the product. It's very different from any other 
claims experience you have. The product is triggered by an allegation being made through reputable media against the management of a company. So we're constantly monitoring the companies we cover to see if there's allegations that qualify under the product. So we actually do the claims monitoring ourselves. And when we pick up an allegation event, we then start tracking and seeing what the impact is on the share price. And if the share drops by more than 10% on an intraday basis within the first two days, we then list that event on a public website called the Investor News Board. And that triggers a communication to all our clients, letting them know that, listen, this has happened in this company X, and you have the right to then now claim from the insurance if you sell your shares at less than this value within the next 30 days. So we actually inform the clients of their right to claim. And to claim, they simply log on to their trading platform, sell their shares. We get a a message via API um, informing us what share they sold at what price on what day, and we calculate the claim. You know, and we pay that back into the client's trading account. And that whole process from the time that they sell their share, which is when they suffer a loss, to the time that the money is reflecting in their accounts is less than 40 seconds in general. Wow. And obviously a lot of turmoil in the stock markets over the last couple of months because of COVID-19, but there's no allegations of fraud there. That was just an event that happened. Is that correct? Correct. So in in our pricing study, when we looked at the history, generally in market downturns or times of economic hardship, you see an increased frequency of allegations, as well as obviously an increased frequency in losses. But during COVID-19 in the South African market, at least, we didn't see any fraud losses coming out of that. A counter example would be a Wirecard in Germany, which was a very established company listed on the German exchange for many years. They also had a huge fraudulence um, allegation against them and dropped about 90%. They were worth 13 billion euros and dropped on the, within the first day or two to about 3 billion euros. So you do see an increased number of events generally when the market turns down. But in South Africa this time, we haven't had any fraudulent events as a result of Corona. So we haven't paid claims despite the volatility in the markets at the moment. And how do you protect yourselves against aggregate exposure? Do, does, is there individual policy limits or how does that work? Yeah, so we have we have multiple layers of limits um, with built into the system. So we have limits on uh, per per buy level, uh, as well as aggregates per stock level, as well as per sector. So that's all built into the system and part of um, yeah part of the technology and why it was so complicated to build. But what we have built is now very very scalable and can be used anywhere. So. We are not actually the insurer. We just provide the technology to enable this product. So we can now go to any insurer and any market in the world and sort of configure the stocks from that exchange, say this is the insurer behind it and sell the product for them. So that's our business model. We we design the product as well as all the risk management needed and handle the sales and distribution. And they're sort of just the risk carrier uh, participating in the risk. You guys, you're one of the first parametric insurance uh, products. A lot of uh, firsts going on. So I'm wondering, like, what companies do you look at as your peers or which ones do you look look to as kind of models as to where you'd like to go? <laughs> so, <laughs> very interesting question. 
We don't really see any companies that are similar to us as competitors. We have seen companies that are much more established that had to go through the same sort of business developments as us, where they had to integrate with the trading platforms. But in terms of our product specifically, we, we're fairly unique. So from that perspective, we don't see anything at the moment, but obviously we're always on the lookout. We actually wouldn't mind a competitor too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, and then just on the other side of that question, who do we look at as to where we want to go? I think that there are plenty of startups worldwide. I mean, we, we read a lot of startup news. I think as a startup, it's really beneficial if you do, because then you understand the current trends, the challenges and what, what investors are looking for. Um, so I wouldn't say there's one specific company that we'd like to be like, but our ultimate goal is that we would like our company to be as automated as possible for as long as possible. So we currently have a team of just four people and we've issued 20,000 policies. And if we could keep our team below 10 people and issue a million or 10 million policies, that's where we'd like to be. So we might wrap it up, lads. Before we do, do you guys have any parting words for our audience or any potential partners that might be listening? You know, we, we've we've definitely, we've been active in the South African market now, live with the product for over two years. We've now tested the technology out. It works really well. We've seen the type of demand out there and we, we're now looking to, you know, go in, with the product and take it to other markets. So people are working within the insurance industry or they they know or have partnerships with trading platforms. Definitely, we're looking for opportunities to grow outside of South Africa and, and offer this protection to, to others. Yeah, and I would, I would add to that, we're also raising a fund around of $1.3 million, looking to close it in quarter one of 2021. So we've just started that fundraising process this week. And if anyone's interested in potentially investing in the company, please get in touch. And they insured their investment with your platform as well. <laughs> oh, they don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> great answer. Great answer. Uh, well, look, thanks very much, lads. Chat to you soon. Thanks for having us, Connor. Thanks, Connor. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening. If you want to find out more about Investure, you can visit investsure.info. That's I-N-V-E-S-T-S-U-R-E dot info. Their email address is info at investsure.co.za. And you can also find them on LinkedIn and Twitter. Like always, if you like the podcast, please let me know. You can find me on LinkedIn or email me, connor at insuretechireland.org. I'll be taking a two-week break from next week. But don't worry, the next episode of InsureTech Radio will be released on Wednesday, September 9th. Speak to you then.